The problem most men have is they just plain straight up have no clue how to talk to women. You just ask questions, okay? That's it. Because women do not care about what you have to say at all anyway, you know? And all they want to do is talk about themselves. So you're just gonna let them do that, okay? So remember, questions, be cool, and be kind of a dick. You know, here, be David Caruso in Jade. Okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. You do, that's good. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I'm Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should all know by now, we're two guys who drink and we talk about movies. Now, this week, we are in week three of movies you simply cannot make today or wouldn't get made today. And this has been a long time coming, no pun intended. And I absolutely love it because I hope Mike was on some level tortured by these movies that I hold so dear. <laughs> so slightly so only one of them. Only one of them I would have con- I kind of considered torture. Did you rewatch Showgirls? I, I okay, two of them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. But one was just kind of boring ish. And one I actually kind of enjoyed. Okay, well, we'll get into that because, and if I mentioned Showgirls, you should all know the, we will be talking about the legendary erotic thriller from the 1990s. Specifically, we will be talking about some movies that were involved a man named Joe Escherhouse. Joe Escherhouse, we have talked about before with Basic Instinct. He is, uh, he's a, legendary screenwriter in the sense that he is the highest paid screenwriter of all time and it's purely for erotic thrillers (laughs) but tonight we're going to be talking about sliver we're going to talk about jade and we're going to talk about disclosure which not entirely an erotic thriller but just fucking insane to begin with and disclosure was at least interesting (laughs) yeah and we'll get into showgirls as well because these are movies that you can't they never made it out of the 90s which is kind of insane but porn does exist so they didn't really have a need to make it out of the 90s so but before we get too much deeper now we got to talk about what we're drinking so mike what do you got all right so i went with a seltzer today oh so uh, a couple weeks ago i went to stateside vodka distilling in philadelphia and they have a seltzer line Okay. And I am drinking right now the their cucumber lime mint flavored seltzer. Okay. And that might not sound appealing to a lot of people, but I am not a seltzer person. And this is the best damn seltzer I've ever had. Yeah. There you go. All right. And for reference, it is a vodka seltzer, not like not like the original White Claw where it's like the malted seltzer type of thing. Sugar seltzer. <laughs> yeah. But uh, all right, cool. Yeah. And I, on the other hand, still finishing up my crafts of six packs from before. This time I have Great Barn Brewery, and it's their Dunkel Sean. Uh it's Peter, it's peanut butter chocolate dunkel. And it is um Great Barn Brewery is in Kittnersville, Pennsylvania, which is I think around the Allentown area. And um It is 6.2%, and it's a peanut butter and chocolate ale that tastes like a scrumptious, creamy chocolate ice cream and peanut butter swirl. Bam! Is what it says on the can. Bam! 
and that is exactly what it tastes like. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's darker, but it's like a Marsen kind of darker amber color, and it has that like peanut butter and has more of a chocolate taste than anything. But yeah, it's definitely peanut butter chocolate. But um, it's very good. So now we got to get into uh, into the movies of the hour. Now we're just gonna go in order because we've already talked about Basic Instinct. We talked about Basic Instinct a couple weeks ago. The amazing Michael Douglas, Sharon Stone movie. Mike, it's Mike's favorite movie now, he told me. He's watched it five times since, which I even I think is a bit much. But these movies were involved in a man named Joe Esterhaus. Is pretty much, he's, I, let's call him the father of the erotic thriller. Yeah. And the craziest thing about this guy is that He's a Hungarian-American writer who became the highest-paid screenwriter in all of Hollywood simply because of these scripts. One of which, and I believe it was Jade, is the one that got made because of like a note scribbled on a cocktail napkin that he sold for like three million dollars. Now, Basic Instinct, on the other hand, it was like one of the most sought-after scripts in Hollywood at the time. It was originally called Love Hurts. It ended up getting $3 million for him to be made. And that became Basic Instinct, like I said. Now, this guy has what he refers to. Now, he refers to it. Uh, no one else, I don't think, refers to it as any of these things. Because if you were to go by um, what he says these movies are, it would actually wouldn't really line up with who's actually in the movies. Because he calls this the... He calls his the Corelli um, trilogy is what he calls it. And it's, let me make sure I get the exact movies. Okay. So the first one is basic instinct, which is Wayne Knight is Corelli. And then in sliver, there's some dude plays Corelli. And then in number three is Jade. And that's assistant DA Corelli, which is, um, uh, God damn it. That guy, David Caruso. <laughs> so David Caruso is in Jade. Now, if you want to think about it in modern terms, there is also the Cornetto trilogy, which is Edgar yeah. Wright, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and World's End. Now, if you want to talk about three, two trilogies that are pretty much the opposite of each other, you know, we can talk about that. But the erotic thriller is absolutely one of my favorite movie genres, simply because someone took the idea, mostly Joe Estherhouse, <laughs> took the idea of all of these weird, well, not weird, they're just sexual fantasies, essentially, that he has, and he somehow throws some sort of crime element into it. Some murder how, or something. Murder or something. That's how it always lands, and that's how it always goes. There's some sort of mystery going on about them, but there is always, and I wouldn't say, especially not by 2023 standards, there's a lot of sex, but it's always like at the time it was like, ooh, dangerous sex. Like someone's going down on someone in a movie. It's like, ooh, <laughs> you know, it's these are these are taboo subjects for He's like, actors. ooh, that's dangerous sex and not what high schoolers do because they're yeah, right. the bone in their own house. <laughs> exactly. And there were so many of these type of movies. At it's specifically in like the early to mid 1990s, they didn't really make it until the end of the 90s. They kind of died in the mid 90s, and it's mostly because of Showgirls is what killed them all. But 
these movies are so crazy to me because they're always taken so seriously by the people, like the characters that are in them. And these would be infinitely better if they were like if this was if everyone went into this with the same level that Nicolas Cage goes into a movie. <laughs> Absolutely. A Nicolas Cage erotic thriller might be too erotic. I think that might just break everyone's televisions. Like when they became it comes on, they the television would just immediately crack and die. the entire work. female population would just instantly become pregnant. Instantly. Instantly. And and we'd have a bunch of little children with fully grown Nicolas Cage's face on them. That'd be great. That would be absolutely amazing. But um, but yeah, so we'll jump into let's talk about so now base skins thing is my hands down is my favorite and it's the best one. It absolutely is. It's and the most iconic, yeah. Yeah. And we'll so we'll talk, we'll jump into Sliver because that also stars one Miss Sharon Stone. Uh directed by Philip Noyce, who also did Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, The Saint, The Bone Collector, and Salt with Angelina Jolie. This is the movie in his resume where he just goes, yep, I made that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> now, the executive producer screenplay by Joe Esterhouse. We almost immediately start off with a murder of a beautiful woman. But in, yep. in this case, all we really see is a ragdoll falling off a building. <laughs> it's like puppet badly, work. really yeah. badly. It's hilarious. And... Like it, it's all um, this is the scene that Austin Powers is ripping off of in I forget which one it is where he's like looking at his clock as of his watch as he's falling. <laughs> right. It's pretty wild. But then we get probably at the time in 1993, the definitely the third sexiest Baldwin. We get Billy Baldwin in this movie. And if you were to look at Billy Baldwin now, Billy Baldwin is quite puffy now. <laughs> They're all quite puffy, except for Steven. Steven's kind of managed to stay sort of the same. You know, he's just kind of insane as a person. But Alec at the time, one of the sexiest men out there. Steven at the time, very sexy man. Billy, very sexy man. Daniel, also a Baldwin brother. <laughs> but... The thing with this movie, and this now this is the other thing with erotic thrillers, there's always a weird premise, like a very strange premise. And a, and an author is always usually involved in some strange way. And especially with this, because Sharon Stone is basically an editor. And she moves into this new hotshot high-rise apartment building and turns out that she has moved into the apartment of the girl that gets murdered in the beginning of the movie. Now, Billy Baldwin as we come to find out, owns the building and has installed in it, in his apartment, mind you, like a secret room that is essentially like the room from The Matrix Reloaded where the architect sits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was... Alright, so Sliver was the one that was, besides Showgirls, that I considered torture. <laughs> Sliver is fun because it's... There's so much like 1993-ness in it in the sense all you that, have to do is look at the gym clothes look right, at the gym exactly clothes. and then there's the sense that there's a teacher in it that teaches and are you ready for your on the nose uh t class here the psychology of the lens at nyu 
oh wow what a theme joe you've, you've really nailed it the subtleties here you know there's a guy who watches everyone in the apartment building through secret cameras that he's planted and a teacher of a, a, a resident of this apartment complex somehow happens to teach an appropriate class for that wow <laughs> what are the odds <laughs> yeah like you could you'd have to write something more <laughs> on the news than that <laughs> what are the odds you know but of course that man gets murdered or he dies. Actually, he just dies. Like he doesn't technically die, but he, murdered. he just falls down the shower and um, Billy Baldwin just watches him die and then calls the cops. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I think he might be dead. Oh, well, well, <laughs> sir, how did you know he fell over in the shower? Uh, <laughs> that question's never answered because <laughs> it's the only possible way is that someone had a camera going to this old man's bathroom now. The even better part is in 1993, if you were around in 1993, video cameras were a thing. Now, homemade, like home video recording equipment was essentially a camcorder and it was 420p, basically. You're not getting any kind of high def or anything like that. Billy Baldwin is able to zoom in enhanced to like 4k resolution in when he was when he was doing that all i could think of was um in super troopers where he's just like enhance 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 absolutely that's it's absolutely what it is i mean he gets to the point where he's like when he when the old man is on when no but sharon stone is masturbating in the bathtub which is this weird like circular shower bathtub thing and she's at the bottom of it um she's just completely she's like rubbing one out and he's like zooming in on her face like five different times and he's like almost as if he's sitting two inches in front of Sharon Stone's face like it is crystal clear we are seeing everything about this woman having an orgasm and it's supposed to be coming from the behind the bathroom window or bathroom mirror like 15 feet away maybe and it's the other thing that I find hilarious is his job is a computer game designer. Exactly. <laughs> that that's like a hand wave. Like, oh, that's how he knows all this technology, you know? It's like that's, never mind the fact. For reference, nine what 1993, what computer games are you designing here, sir? What um what are we getting here? Like, I, I think this is just past like the kind of point and click era of computer games oh yeah it's definitely like it's something that only a few people would have like access to but it's definitely creepy like there's definitely some creep like factor to it it's kind of like leisure shoot like a uh, leisure suit larry you know <laughs> google that kids to find out what the 90s were all about you know but it's there's just some weird weird shit with this because a for one the room full of cameras Sharon Stone finds out about it and does not immediately call the police <laughs> and so she's kind of into it <laughs> which I mean e invasion of privacy all of this she knows that he has watched and recorded her all of that stuff and she loves big brother right I get yeah and we're just fine with it I guess we are just fine with it apparently and that is one of the things that, like, aside from the general nudity and sex in this movie, which in erotic thrillers, apparently that's illegal now, I think. I think today in 2023, it's illegal to have nudity and sex in movies. I think they passed that. Uh, when Biden took office, I think that's he took all that away. So thanks, Biden. Um, then it's 
Yeah, and it's it's really I mean it's not not Biden he he couldn't eliminate sex or movies it's that stupid but it, it's now, probably if you MCU. believe South Park it's Kyle yeah it's Kyle I think Kyle that's, runs Hollywood yeah and it's aside from the simple fact that there are people having sex on camera in these like on film in these movies yeah you, know, you know who it actually was I think it was Obama because probably. Iron Man came out in 2008, and that was the last time a superhero had sex. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Obama. Really appreciate it. I mean, uh, unless in Eternals, when you have to be a mommy and a daddy first, you have to be married first, and then you can have your sex on the beach. But it's it's fucking amazing because, and I haven't watched it, and maybe I'll watch it tonight. There is a movie out on Amazon Prime called The Voyeurs, and it stars like Justice Smith and Sidney Sweeney. Now, this is kind of billed as, like, the modern erotic thriller. I can't wait to watch it and have it not be that, <laughs> you know? I can't wait for it to be as disappointing as possible when it comes to that shit. But the other thing with the 90s erotic thrillers, there's a couple cliches that they love to throw in here. And one is that no matter the context, no matter the setting, People will openly talk about sex in the most graphic ways possible. <laughs> oh, my God. When her friend is, like, hounding her for details on the first time that she had sex with um the third or fourth best Baldwin. Definitely the third. He, he's better than Daniel. <laughs> he is better than Daniel. Well, yeah, now it's Colleen Camp. Yeah, Colleen Camp. Clues, Colleen Camp. Um, she Yeah, the, she has... She has one of my, like, most what-are-we-doing lines here. And it's, it's, it's eventually she's, she's hounding Sharon. And it's like, what are, what are we doing? You're probably having, you've probably been having multiple orgasms. You've probably been fucking your brains out. And then, then she says, uh, Sharon Stone replies with, you've been spending too much time with your vibrator. Helen Camp's response to that is, I have. I'm getting a plastic yeast infection. And it's like. <laughs> No one talks like that, Joe. <laughs> Joe, no one talks like Especially that. Especially not while you're walking through an office. Yeah, when you're not like in the middle of the cubicles, you know, in the middle of your bullpen, office bullpen. It's like, and that's the thing. When you look at Basic Instinct's dialogue, it's very like rapid fire. Like it's bad and weird and sexy, but it fits because it's all trying to be this like noir, basically. And basic instinct is essentially like this noir. So it, there's a certain aspect of it where you kind of want that silly dialogue there. And it makes sense because it's a weird cop thriller also at the same time. So like to have Douglas's partner talking about pussy so much and saying it the way he does, it's like, okay, it makes sense. But in this for Colleen, Colleen Camp is the craziest part of a really stupidly crazy movie and it's only because she only seems to exist to hear about Sharon Stone's sex life. And that is a character trope in the 90s erotic thrillers that today would basically be like, I don't want to say the gay best friend, but it would be like one of the weird, annoying friends in a comedy. It wouldn't yeah. be in a thriller. It would be in a stupid comedy is what it would be in. I'm waiting for like an OnlyFans themed erotic thriller to come out. Dude, I think we just struck gold. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, man. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, you could remake Sliver with an OnlyFans account, you know, and it would the only difference would be 
then everyone in the world has the camera on you. And yeah, you your own camera on you. You know, it's well, really you can remake hardcore with an OnlyFans account. Dude, so good. Imagine I'm, I'm just trying to imagine like an erotic thriller with George C. Scott in it. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be quite amazing. It's like you've been spending too much time with your vibrator. <laughs> Turn it off. <laughs> Turn it off. <laughs> and Dick Sargent comes in all like rubbing his hands and like being weird. Like, yeah, you're too much time in your vibrator. It's like, oh, no, man, you're ruined it. You're ruined it. Get out of here. <laughs> no one's going to get an erection again. Get out of here, Dick. <laughs> but no, like, I feel like I feel like you can make a horror movie or erotic thriller off of like the OnlyFans, Patreon girls, stuff like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm surprised someone hasn't tried to do it yet. But it's probably because we're still in that window of you're not allowed to have sex in movies. Like we we gotta break through that again. We gotta get uh we gotta get a Gen Z on board with, you know, being naked with people again. You know, it's it you gotta kind of get a little sexy again. But the thing with this is there's also the scene in this movie where Billy Baldwin and Sharon Stone are out to dinner and they're out at like the stuffiest of stuffy Manhattan restaurants, you know, it's, you get in there. It's basically like, uh, everyone is the, the, um, the Mater D from Ferris Bueller. <laughs> like everyone <laughs> is that guy in this restaurant. And there's this older couple sitting next to him. And basically what Billy Baldwin's doing is trying to be like, Essentially, get Sharon Stone to flash him, you know, prove yeah. that she's wearing the underwear that he gave her and all that. And then, so she's like unbuttoning her, her the top of her dress and basically almost pulling her tits out like all the way. And this woman is like watching it the whole time, and she just got her eyes on like, well, I never. But she's not moving or complaining or leaving. She's just in there. And then Sharon Stone pulls her underwear off and then like throws it at Billy Baldwin, and everyone's kind of like, did she just throw her underwear at a guy at the middle of like the appetizer? okay and they just kind of like shake their heads and go back to their meal it's like this is not the world that people live in i mean the 90s were crazy but people would absolutely say <laughs> the 90s were lawless but not that lawless right exactly like they would absolutely say something if you threw your underwear at someone from across the table in like a five-star stuffy ass restaurant <laughs> that woman is absolutely calling the manager over at the very least <laughs> but and, and that's, I think that's why I love this genre so much is that anything can be in a movie. Anything can go. It's literally just the guy's fetishes. It, it's all it is. And it really is. And that's really what, and when we, we'll talk about Showgirls when we get to Jade because they were in the same year. We'll talk about like the Showgirls-ness of all of it and what Joe Hester House must really actually, and speaking of, if you're listening to this, grab your phone, Google Joe Esterhouse, and tell me that the guy you're looking at isn't exactly who you pictured writing an erotic thriller. <laughs> now, with Sliver, here's, I feel like Sliver forgot about the thriller part for like 40, 50 minutes. <laughs> it becomes just a love story for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the murder takes a back seat for a little while. It's like murder <laughs> happens. 50 minutes of love story with it. We didn't even bring up the writer, dude. Tom I Bergeron? Think... You mean Tom Bergeron? Jake Taylor from Major League? <laughs> I feel like that dude, again, the movie completely forgets about him for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 absolutely crazy because he's really only there to um, 
to really just show up as like a red herring essentially yeah and there is no other reason for him to be there and i'm sorry not bergeron tom bergeron is the guy from fucking dancing with the stars i'm doing tom berenger sorry <laughs> it would be better if it was tom bergeron yeah he'd be out of place and it'd be absolutely hilarious but yeah there's it's it's so wild because there always are these characters in this movie that you think are going to matter. Like um, the model that lives next door. There's the model that lives next door. Uh, Vida is who she is. And she's essentially just a prostitute is what she is. But she's also a quote unquote model. And she plays a role at some point because she gets murdered. <laughs> and I I guess there was a point to it. There's really, she's not even really a character. Like we don't even know much about her until she dies. And that is the lesser erotic thrillers focus more on trying to get you to be like, at least in 1993, they would more on the like pearl clutching, like, Oh my God, they showed someone having sex. That wasn't missionary in a movie. You know, it's like, it's that, but then there's the whole telescope thing that um, Sharon Stone is a telescope that she basically spies on her neighbors on. And it's like, ooh, who's the real watcher? You know, it's like, why is that watching fine? But what I do not, you know, it's like, well, yeah, they're kind of the same. But one is very different because one <laughs> is just one telescope out one window, not a hundred cameras through a hundred bathrooms in a hundred rooms, you know, because it's not just the bathrooms that are wired. It is the entire apartments that are wired. Also, the telescope. So, I'm not encouraging this type of behavior, but would binoculars not be, you know, better? <laughs> the same thing, and it would be a lot easier. Like, you, there is a certain range of motion that telescopes are limited to, you know? <laughs> like, and like if you... someone notices you, it's hard to move. Now, I guess with a telescope, you always have the built-in excuse of, I was stargazing and... Right. It's like, oh, and I saw you happen to be fucking your wife. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I did, did, I did I keep looking at you? Yes. Maybe too long? Yes. Did I start masturbating in the window? Maybe. <laughs> but, but you can't prove I did, you know? <laughs> and Billy Baldwin shows up with the tape proving that you did. But it's, yeah, I mean... It's completely insane. It wouldn't be admissible in court. She was taped without. No, absolutely. Yeah, dude. That's the thing. Like, none of this would be. Uh, she can't really. Maybe that's why she's like turned on by it. She's like, well, can't do anything about it. So maybe I'll just get involved and make this a soap opera where I can, where I can watch a family like fall apart because of like a father's like molesting a daughter or something like that. Or you know, it's an uncle and a niece. There's an old couple that like one of them's got cancer or something like that. He just got diagnosed. Then there's the, then there's the young, like hot couple that we do get the hanging dong. We do get some hanging dong in the movie, which apparently there is a longer version of this movie. And apparently there was more hanging dog. And did you read about what the original ending of the movie was? No. <laughs> okay. So the actual ending of this movie is essentially Sharon Stone finding out, going back to Billy Baldwin, having a little bit of attack of consciousness. Conscious. She finds out he's been recording all of his, he's been banging all the women in the apartment building, basically just like banging them, taping them, all that. So she, he destroys her tape which has shaped with Sharon Stone. She sees through the cameras because apparently, like an idiot, he has his own apartment camera up too. So she sees where his secret hiding spot is. She goes over, sees her ton of tapes, and she goes and it basically just like destroys his camera room, destroys the whole thing. Now, 
at the end she says get a life and the movie just kind of ends and we're like okay that's it the original I don't know what other weird things he saw on the camera right exactly now the original ending of this movie because at one point there Billy Baldwin makes a comment that says he basically says like have you ever just thought about getting in a helicopter and like flying into a volcano like it's a very off the wall random ass line makes comes to nothing means nothing Apparently, in the end of the original movie, he and Tom Baron, uh, Tom ben- Berenger, are in a helicopter, and they're they crash it into a volcano, and the two of them die. Why? <laughs> Why would Tom Berenger's character even being involved in this? Exactly. Now, here's the best part: they actually shot it. They actually did it. The helicopter crash ended up being in a lawsuit <laughs> because someone actually died in it. <laughs> like the helicopter, like pilot, like actually ended up dying in it, and it's pretty funny because none of it was used. The guy died for nothing, <laughs> and no one will ever see it. It's not like the Twilight Zone movie where you actually see Vic Morrow die. Basically, you know, it's but this guy did this, and you got to figure it's like. Joe Estherhouse wrote that into the movie and test audiences basically went, wait, 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 wait. We were with you until the volcano, dude. (laughs) (laughs) And then they reshot it with what ended up being the actual ending. And just to know that this man had the power to be able to say, helicopter crash, we're putting it in this, into a volcano. There's no reason we're in like New York. Why would it be near a volcano? No one knows, but we're doing it. What is the closest volcano to New York? Mount Hawaii? Saint Paul? <laughs> I don't know. Pompeii? <laughs> I don't know. But it's it's so completely insane that one man who looks like a Jimmy Buffett roadie <laughs> had enough power in the 90s that he essentially dictated an entire genre filled with insanity like like billy baldwin watching people in their apartments through a secret room full of cameras and tvs and that ending would culminate somehow in a fiery volcano helicopter crash (laughs) even though up to that point there had been no volcanoes and no helicopters (laughs) there still are no volcanoes in new york (laughs) right (laughs) it's completely insane but one of the best parts about this movie is Billy Baldwin, Sharon Stone's Sharon Stone. Did you catch that? Did you notice that little scene where he uncrosses his legs in front of her on the bed? I was, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> now that's good writing. <laughs> yeah. Now there needs to be a cut of the movie where he's looking at the screens and he finds out the couple in room 38D uh the dad or the guy has to be dressed up as the green power ranger to get off and yeah there, there's got to be more and that's the thing like the the erotic thriller was so focused on who was on screen having sex that when a movie like this comes about where we legitimately get infinite possibilities for this apartment complex this apartment building all we really get is just slices of actual life you know we we only get like a horny couple an um, uncle like molesting a niece we get an old couple with cancer we get an, another old couple who's just kind of like you know living life 
we get an old man dying in a shower, but we don't get like the freaky sex shit. Like we don't get, you know, like the shining with the guy, with the guy in the tuxedo and the bear costume, you know, we don't, we don't get stuff like that, which is what we need for this really to just kind of be pushed over the edge of, okay, now this is insane, (laughs) you know, which Maybe, maybe that's what the volcano helicopter crash would have pushed it into. But yeah, the volcano helicopter crash that they flew the helicopter from New York City to Yellowstone, apparently. That's the closest volcano in the U.S. Anyway. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm telling you, I think you probably have to go like Italy or something. See, like, I feel like Iceland <laughs> might be the closest. Could be, could be. But yeah, it's or Greenland. It's it's absolutely. Not on the eastern seaboard. No, definitely not. Yeah, it's not like he's going to Delaware, you know. But imagine if Delaware had a volcano, it might actually be interesting. Yeah, welcome to Delaware. We got fire in the ground, but yeah, it's <laughs> welcome to Delaware. We're basically Hawaii, <laughs> <laughs> we're basically Hawaii without the climate. <laughs> but yeah, so we have that's... all the bad parts of Hawaii, <laughs> <laughs> we're every part of Hawaii that you don't want to say. But um, all right. So that was Sliver. Now, Mike, how was your seltzer? Doing good. I just about finished my first one. And again, this is some of the best. Like, I I can see this being like a go-to pre-game drink for me if I don't want something as heavy as like beer. Nice, nice. And uh, where is it from again? Stateside vodka. There you go. And uh, yeah, my Great Barn Brewery Dunkel Sean peanut butter chocolate Dunkel is very good. It's drinking nicely. And um, all right. So now we're going to move into the starts off as an erotic thriller and then gets like becomes a courtroom drama. For yeah, summer. it's like a legal drama. And then you find out that there's like another scheme in there to discredit him and like virtual reality as well. <laughs> and that's 1994 disclosure. Now. I, I I remember it being different, but I rewatched it again uh, recently in season three of Big Mouth. They uh, the kids put on a musical, a play, and it's the musical version of the sh- of the movie Disclosure. And I remembered it as being like the entire episode, like being that, and actually being like the play musical Disclosure. It's not. It's like it only takes up about half the movie, half the episode, and it's scattered with a Coach Steve plot with being uh, queer eyed, which is uh, pretty funny, but. I thought there was more to it than what it was, but it's still a very, fairly funny episode. Season three, Big Mouth, Disclosure, the musical. But this one, Disclosure, 1994, directed by Barry friggin' Levinson, you know, Diner, The Natural, Good Morning Vietnam, Rain Man. This guy's a legend. Based on the novel by Michael Crichton. <laughs> this, that threw me for a loop. I did not remember that. And that's kind of insane because Michael Crichton, fairly compelling writer, did not see him writing what is basically the men's rights like activist playbook. <laughs> like these damn women are out to ruin our lives kind of thing. <laughs> like women in business are only now, out to crush our dreams. <laughs> this, so I found this movie kind of boring, but I thought the concept was like conceptually you could make this a good movie. You could. It could be done. It can be. Yeah, like reverse sexual harassment. There's there's a story there. Well, it's not reverse sexual harassment. It is sexual harassment. But there, 
There like, is you can a... make, like guys can be sexually harassed, and courts do tend to favor girls in these situations. Like you can make a story out of that, or even, and this is two years after Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas. Like this is two years after sexual harassment actually became, like, got labeled and became like a known thing in the world, and people something that people actually focused on preventing, you know, or falling out and fixing but with this the idea and we get it several times in this movie the idea that Demi Moore sexually harasses Michael Douglas which she does he doesn't exactly fight it though (laughs) there is a gray area but a, a case could be made but the fact that when he says that she sexually harassed me, everyone's like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Men can't be sexually harassed. Come fuck yourself, pussy. You know, it's like, and also she's to me more. She's scorching hot. Fuck you. You know, it's like, well, that's not how it works, but okay, <laughs> great. Thanks for being awful. Moving on. But the fact that it is the, it's entirely concocted. To try to somehow roundaboutly prove that Michael Douglas is bad at his job. Yes. <laughs> and not even like, insane. and like the way they're proving it is like they are fabric. Like he, for all intents and purposes, seems to be quite adequate as his job. He's very good at his job from what we understand. He was in line for the promotion that Demi Moore got. Now, here's the other thing. Demi Moore gets promoted given this like big time promotion by Donald Sutherland. She's appointed to, she's like the head, the vice president of technology or something at this stupid company, Donald Sutherland in his speech, naming her as the, the heir apparent essentially says that he only picked her because she's a woman. <laughs> that he didn't say she's qualified. He didn't say that she can do the job. He says that his daughter who died never had the chance to get this position. So he's going to break the glass ceiling by putting Demi Moore at the top without bothering. No, without her even bothering to be qualified, which, as we find out, she is not. (laughs) But what she is very qualified at is elaborately framing Michael Douglas. With a Malaysian factory plot. Yeah, she goes overseas. She ropes in a factory, a microchip factory, and the guy running the microchip factory who is friends with Michael Douglas. (laughs) Everyone in this movie is essentially brought into this scheme to fuck Michael Douglas for a reason that isn't entirely clear. <laughs> and then because... the quote, like even the quote unquote friend is like doing this so that she will get the promotion. It's amazing because, because for all intents and purposes, Michael Douglas's character is loved by all. <laughs> He's very good at his job. <laughs> there is no reason to destroy this man. <laughs> but yes, and this movie to. is not an erotic thriller. <laughs> it is not. It starts that way because it starts with a pretty great. Well, it doesn't start off immediately with it, but in the beginning of the movie to get everything going, it starts off with a pretty great almost sex scene i'll say like it's kind of like the joke in scary movie at the end when sean wayans and uh the guy that's playing bobby are trying to say that sean wayans is gay and he's like but you took me to that club he's like what they play good music 
He's like, but we did that. He's like, no, 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 no. You sucked my dick. <laughs> like that thing. In this, that's essentially what the argument comes down to. <laughs> it's to me more saying he forced his mouth dick into my mouth. And she and Michael Douglas is like, no, 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 no. You sucked my dick. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? <laughs> and then the fact that the way that they found, like, he got the evidence was he tried to call someone and she just took his phone out of his hand and threw it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, didn't bother hanging up, which apparently in, in the 90s just could keep recording like that. But it's, it is, it's hilarious because also Michael Douglas is saying no most of this time. But he's not exactly trying to push her, like, off of him. He's not trying to throw her across the room. He's fully letting her go down on him. And it's only really a miracle that that phone is on and recording anything. Because other than that, it's absolutely, you believe Demi more. <laughs> you know, that <laughs> there's no other proof otherwise. The only person that could prove it is apparently the cleaning lady that they disappear. <laughs> That's the other thing. When witnesses to this start mysteriously disappearing, don't you think that's a red flag in and of itself? No. Nah. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's fine. It's fine. And of course, we get the cliche of sex talk everywhere. And this time it's led by Dennis Miller, which, Jesus Christ, Dennis Miller, he was a thing in the 90s too. And apparently, still around. <laughs> but it's. <sighs> It, this movie is absolutely insane because one of my favorite parts of the movie is a dream sequence. And it's when Donald Sutherland almost makes out with Michael Douglas in an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> that scene is so bizarre. It's so weird because it starts as if it was like just the next scene, you know, just the next scene. And then for some reason, instead of his dream sequence, I was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> and then we have to introduce the virtual reality technology which they essentially use like microsoft file explorer <laughs> yeah, but that, it's virtual reality i didn't even see the point of the vir like the virtual reality it could have been any tech factory you did not have to introduce virtual reality no absolutely this. not it, it would be more compelling it'd be a better movie if that wasn't what breaks the case at the end, <laughs> it's like the lawnmower man at one point. It's completely insane. There's literally no reason for virtual reality to be part of this movie. None. Absolutely not. And what was what was that movie with Russell Crowe where he's like a virtual reality serial killer? Was that virtuosity? I have no idea. Oh yeah, virtu I think it's virtuosity. Um let me see. Yeah, very up there it is, virtuosity. Denzel, Russell Crowe, 1995. Russell Crowe is Sid 6.7, who is a basically an amalgamation of multiple serial killer personalities that are put into one guy. And a movie goes from there. <laughs> you know, and and a, and a movie. I'd watch it. It's it's actually kind of hilarious. It's kind of a crazy ass movie. Um, Crow's actually pretty good. Well, I mean, of course he's Russell Crowe. But this movie, it's funny because this movie is like the anti basic instinct. And 
Whereas everything in this flick is sexual, but not in a sexy way. Whereas Basic Instinct, everything is sexual, everything is sexy. It's all just like steamy hot. This movie is basically just everything that a paranoid straight white guy is afraid of in the workforce. Today. Yeah. And it's in Basic Instinct, the paranoid straight white guy is legitimately like losing his grip on reality because of this sexy woman who, A, is not really doing it on purpose to him. Sharon Stone is essentially just being herself and she and he is and Michael Douglas is just caught in her web and her like spell. Whereas Demi Moore is actively why like, why was Michael Douglas for like a six year period typecasted as just she has every red flag. I'm a fucking bull. Let me get at it. I'm gonna do it. Let's just go after this. I have a in this one, it's like I have a smart, great wife. Um I have a lovely family, but now I'm going to fuck all this up <laughs> just for Demi Moore. You know who I, it was my ex from years ago. I I could easily avoid everything she's throwing at me. And, but no, I'm going to let my dick lead the way. My, Michael Douglas's character is that like, you know, the, the commercial where Tom Brady is uh, calling Gronk and the, the phone like breaks up and he Gronk hears, uh, come to Tampa on retire. Yeah. Come to, um, this is like someone called Michael Douglas and said, dude, don't stick your dick in crazy. And he just, it breaks up for a second and all he hears is, dude, stick your dick in crazy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what he does. And it's in basic instinct. Everyone is convinced that Sharon Stone is a devious sexual mastermind who is, who has him under a spell. In this, and she really is, again, just kind of being herself. The only way that we think she might be diabolical at the end is because of the ice pick under the bed. and Which they absolutely should have noticed during sex. Absolutely. And in this, yeah, no one believes Michael Douglas when he says that Demi Moore is completely insane and fucking with him. Because guess what? She's actually doing that, you know? It's like it's like almost as if Michael Creighton took Basic Instinct and was like, you know what? I'm gonna flip it. <laughs> what if the nuances of Basic Instinct weren't there? And right, and the best part is that, drama. Right, and the best part is that Mike did acknowledge that Basic Instinct does have nuances, <laughs> and this movie just doesn't. It's like, nope. All on screen. All on screen. We're going to talk about it. We're going to say it. We're going to do it. There's no subtlety here. <laughs> but, and then it's it's just completely insane because Demi Moore obviously gets found out to be a fraud. And it's done so in a very public manner. She has the line. Uh, I've got, I've already gotten 10 calls from headhunters in the last hour with job offers. It's like, well, A, how <laughs> b did they not see the tape <laughs> did they not see the news where you were proven to be completely you know incompetent and then there's how does donald sutherland still have a fucking job or credibility because he's the one that very publicly <laughs> said i'm hiring this woman because she has boobs <laughs> and my daughter never got the chance to have boobs in a position of power <laughs> so i'm gonna make to me more of that <laughs> It's like, well, that's obviously sound decision making from a CEO. Let's keep him in power, you know. It's 
they need a they need a scene from like spider-man one you can't do this to me yeah exactly exactly your god getting to foe in this movie would make it so so amazing that would be amazing just swapping out the foe for douglas that would be amazing <laughs> that's or swapping out sutherland for defoe oh even better just make yeah go full on like green goblin with him that'd be fucking great but except i feel like if they did that he would have to be the big villain easily yeah easily and it's just wow and it's the line that <laughs> the line that i believe to me more has is you stick your dick in my mouth and then you get a case of morality and it's like well Hey, no, <laughs> you put his dick in your mouth <laughs> and B that's what you're going to go with. Okay. It's almost as if you just teed that up. So someone could be recording you and use it to catch you later. You know, <laughs> again, Joe Astro house somehow not involved with this movie, <laughs> but that, that, so- that makes sense to an extent because there is considerably less nudity in this. Yeah. 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 It's, it's pretty wild. And what I do love about the attempt of this movie is that if you were to make it today, like we said about hardcore last week, would be a Kirk Cameron movie. And it would be about the evils of porn ruining a religious, a, a pious man's life, a good Christian man's life. This movie would be remade by like incel men's rights activist dudes they'd be like look at the evil bitch that is cutting down this alpha male like that shit and it's like well you're kind of missing the point here <laughs> this movie may not be good but it does have something to say about men not being believed when they are told when they say they have been sexually harassed which in 1994 was certainly something that people didn't believe. You know, it's like, that can't happen. It's almost like men can't be raped situation, you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, no, you are completely wrong. And, but yeah, it's it's funny because when you look at like the list of erotic thrillers, this does appear. But the thing is, it's really just an erotic courtroom drama. (laughs) Yeah, it starts (laughs) as an erotic thriller. Right. And, but yeah, so that was Disclosure. Now, Mike, how is that seltzer last time? Doing good. Stateside, again, I'm a big fan. I'm not usually a big vodka person, but I really enjoyed the distillery. I like their seltzers. Their iced teas are pretty good, so big fan. Yeah. My uh, Dunkle Sean from Great Barn Brewery. Very, very good. Um, All right. So now on to the final two movies of the night. 1995, big year for Joe Esterhouse. He had Jade, which fill, f- finishes out his Corelli trilogy. He also had Showgirls that came out this year. And Jade and Showgirls are directed by two Titans, like, like Titan directors. We got William Freakin for one doing Jade. Then you got Paul Verhoeven is back with Joe Esterhouse, the dream team doing Showgirls. They they got along so great doing Basic Instinct, they figured, let's do it with a terrible actress and awful scripts. <laughs> now, Jade is David Caruso trying his best to be like sexy CSI Miami. Yeah. That's, <laughs> so, Jade 
again, this is the only true erotic thriller we get of the main three we're talking about. Jade yeah. is an erotic thriller through and through, and I think it has one of the more interesting plots of an erotic thriller I've seen. I've actually somewhat enjoyed Jade. Jade is a very, uh, in it's a very watchable movie. It really, especially is. since this movie has the second best person getting hit by a car scene right behind Terry. Yep, Terry. Micho Black is a good car death. Angie Everhart gets completely fucking obliterated by this <laughs> Thunderbird in this movie. Dude, it's it's like she gets skyrocketed into another car and she's like, okay, what's going on? And then wrecked. <laughs> yep, and all of a sudden the traffic disappears and she is run the fuck over. And this movie should be called Vehicular Manslaughter, the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And even funnier is that Angie Everhart in 1995, I mean, I haven't seen her recently, I'm sure she's still a knockout. 1995, she was a fucking goddess. That woman was just pure, white, hot, sexy. The girl that they get to be her corpse on the slab, and Angie Everhart has said this, they apparently, she had a, she filmed those scene, that scene, but then she had a problem with all the nudity, apparently. So she forced them to cut it, and they reshot it with a double. Now, the woman in all of her own right, she has a yes. She plays a great dead naked body, but she is no Angie Everhart. <laughs> we get some close up to that that face, and it is not the perfect supermodel face that Angie Everhart has. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the young woman was a very nice young lady. She worked very hard to look as good as she did. But come on. What are we doing here? <laughs> You're the Walmart version <laughs> of this like flat out alien human being because no one can be that good looking. <laughs> yeah. It's it's completely insane. And but yeah, she gets she she's not the best actress because again, model, but she when she really goes for it, when she is screaming her face off as that Thunderbird is tearing down towards her head. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Go for it, Angie. You go for it, girl. <laughs> Also, what is that Thunderbird made of? <laughs> thunder. <laughs> that thing just wrecks uh, CSI Miami's car right off that dock. Yep, yep. And that's just a Ford Taurus. That was the most reliable car on the road at the time. <laughs> and it got taken out by that Thunderbird. It's Ford on Ford crime, really. It's kind of sad. But, yeah, I mean, wow. It's just... My other question about this movie is the district attorney or assistant district attorney is David Caruso. He is very involved with crime scene investigation. Yeah. I don't think that's how that works. Yeah, I don't think DAs <laughs> or assistant DAs are crime scene investigators. I, I don't think they work in forensics or necessarily with, uh, with cops that directly until it gets to court. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they only see them in the courtroom, you know, or they're in like, you know, some judges chambers or something maybe, but they're definitely not on the scene. <laughs> they're definitely not able to touch like sex toys in that one scene, you know, they're not able to do anything that he does. And then there's the crazy aspect that fucking Michael Bean is in this movie. Kyle goddamn Reese is in this movie with the greatest, like Freddie Mercury, Pedo stash you've ever seen. <laughs> and that was era appropriate my facial hair for him. And then out of nowhere, Holt McElhenney shows up 
If you don't know who Holt McElhenney is, he is Robert Paulson from Fight Club. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, he's not Robert Paulson. He's in Fight Club. He's the guy that says in Fight Club, in death, his name is Robert Paulson. He's the one that starts that chant. And he's also in Mind Hunter. <laughs> he's an amazing actor, but he is young as shit in this movie. And it's kind of like, whoa, he shows up. Well, he adds a little credibility to this whole situation, you know? It's like, all right, I like him. I like him. <laughs> Even if Michael Bean's here being, you know, detective creep. <laughs> now, the actual plot of this movie is not terrible when you storyboard it. Yes. Is it executed ex- excellently? No. No. <laughs> not even a little bit. Yeah. But, like, the whole concept of, like, that house and, like, the mysterious jade that everyone wants but no one can get a hold of and... Like that works. Like that story works for me. It's noir. It's just crime noir, is what it is. It's classic crime noir. Joe Astrohouse was very good when he wrote that and Basic Instinct. It's just you got you got Veerhoven for Basic Instinct, and he knew what he was doing. Then you get Freakin for this. So yeah, Freakin, great director. He did this as well, but it's like at a certain point. The line is uttered. Wouldn't it be a shame if one hairy little pussy and a thimble full of sperm were to affect the future of this great state of ours? Said by the governor of California, <laughs> played by Richard Crenna of Rambo and Hot Shots fame. Now, when that line gets thrown in there, and I'm real William freaking, I'm just like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know. What do I do now? <laughs> like, this is the script I'm working with. I gotta, I gotta pull out the stops, you know. I gotta try to make this something, you know, because if we just let this go, I'm gonna let this man's bullshit lines like and gonna ruin my freaking movie. And god damn it, I made the exorcist, you know. <laughs> I made the French connection. I lived in to live and die in LA. I am a friggin' legend in Hollywood, and I'm gonna let this Margaritaville motherfucker <laughs> and his stupid ass script <laughs> take over my movie. Fuck. <laughs> I like how Margaritaville motherfucker. <laughs> That's right. I'm telling you, Google Joe Astor House. It's the first image you'll see. <laughs> And meanwhile, at the same time, the jade is going on. We are, I believe we are ramping up to get showgirls into the theaters. And, oh boy, it's 1995 was just a very interesting time in the world because Jesse Spano, Elizabeth Berkeley, one of the most famous television characters at the time, she was on her way out. Saved by the Bell, I believe, had been canceled. I believe it was over. Yeah, was looking... I don't know. Did college happen by that point? Like, did I believe that might have been around the time? But Saved by the Bell proper, I believe, was done. And she's looking for her next, you know, role, her next big role. Now, I will say this: this is the opposite. Jade came out a month after Showgirls. So Jade came out in October of 95. Showgirls came out in September. So while this is while Jade is on in theaters, people in their heads 
still had probably had the option too because the way movies stayed in theaters probably still had the option to see showgirls while jade was in theaters and elizabeth berkeley gets cast in this role that was apparently offered to almost everybody almost everybody in hollywood until elizabeth berkeley finally was like you know what that's she's the one that said yes okay now if you've never somehow never seen showgirls but you have seen Saved by the Bell. And I know you have because everyone has seen the Jesse Spano freak out clip. The I'm so excited clip. Jesse Spano studying for Stanford. She's on caffeine pills. She's addicted to them because, you know, caffeine pills. She loses her mind because it's a TV show. This movie, Showgirls, is the natural end result of Jesse Spano <laughs> on too many caffeine pills. <laughs> this is her life. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is so universally panned like it, it it has to be one of the most hated movies in hollywood and the thing is like we said like nowadays we all love to reevaluate movies and be like no this is secretly great people have tried to do that with showgirls and i will argue that there is no way that you can argue that this was purposeful satire simply by the way that jesse spano acts just by the way that elizabeth berkeley acts on screen she acts like she acts like she's on meth <laughs> she is spastic she is just non-stop like anger rage for no reason she flies off the handle at every little thing she's apparently running away from a murder suicide of her parents she is running away from prostitute arrest prostitution arrests all these other arrests all that and she just quick with a switchblade all that kind of shit she goes to vegas and she is easily taken in by the world of stripping so i'm not going to stereotype here and if strippers listen to our show please let us know your feelings let us know your daily lives i would love to hear about it because i have questions but jesse spano becomes a cliche in vegas and She's a stripper, Robert Davi's Cheetah Club, and there's all kinds of shit going on there. And I will tell you, if you've never seen the sequel to this movie either, if you've never seen Showgirls 2, Pennies from Heaven, it's a spin-off movie with Penny, the act, the character of Penny, you know, the one that's in there for about 30 seconds. <laughs> she's in the entire second movie. <laughs> and no, she's not better than Elizabeth Berkeley somehow. <laughs> Yeah, that's God. This movie, don't watch it, people. I mean, if you want to see Elizabeth Berkeley's ass, I guess watch it. But uh, okay, a you you see all of that young woman, Mike. Were you not yeah. paying attention? You see her vagina. You see her ass. You see her tits. You see literally everything. You see her have a full on seizure on Kyle McLaughlin while they're having sex in a hot tub in a in a pool. <laughs> that is not how a human being has sex, Elizabeth. No. <laughs> Someone showed you the wrong tapes to study. <laughs> It is completely insane because the funny part is Elizabeth Berkeley at times in this movie when she's dancing is very sexy, very stripper like. And you're like, wow, she could be a very talented stripper. But then she'll do this like legally blonde bend and snap move <laughs> that looks like it would just rip her spinal column out. <laughs> or if anything, she'd be banging her face off the guy she's giving a lap dance to. You know, there's no way. That someone can look at her, especially if they are the the head or the the um 
the run they're running the most popular topless like show in vegas basically at the stardust hotel there's no way they look at her dancing and say yes <laughs> they absolutely do not say yes <laughs> it's completely insane because it's almost as if the entire movie that someone told her at every turn do not act like a human being <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't do it like Beerhoven is like don't do it just don't do it trust me Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Star Trek, like all these movies. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen to me here. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh God, this movie is torture to watch. It is literal torture. Like, I don't understand why anyone would choose to watch this. And I question our sanity for, or Ross's at the very least, because I watched it against my will. <laughs> I love, I love how Mike is just now questioning my sanity. That it took showgirls to make you question my <laughs> question my sanity. <laughs> Please, showgirls at an entry level. I will come up with something. <laughs> but I don't know. Showgirls might be. Yeah, it I'm is. Telling you, maybe I the... might have you. I might have you watch the sequel. <laughs> this has got to be worse. in the top five worst movies we watched for this podcast. And the top four, all four slots will be the sequel if I make you watch it. <laughs> but that'll be the day I quit. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Michael be done. But the thing is, and even now, like the only way you can watch this movie now is on Tubi, like with, with commercials. So that just stretches it out even more. That prolongs the agony. <laughs> and it's it's completely fucking insane. So when you look a month later. There is Jade comes out in theater. Joe Esterhouse somehow tones himself down for this movie. And there is a line that I believe David Caruso has in this movie. They open up a mini fridge at one point, and it's Crystal, Beluga, Wolfgang Puck. It's a fuck house. That is the exact line. <laughs> that is the exact line the assistant district attorney uses to describe a crime scene. <laughs> and none of it makes any sense. Why would you say these words? <laughs> Why would you say them in that order? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> and what have you done with the professional legal man we know we should have here? <laughs> and... Then there's a line, everyone is suddenly suffering from penile amnesia. And that means that they don't know who Jade is. And Jade, if you've been paying attention, is very much Linda Fiorentino. Yes. <laughs> the fact that that is treated as a reveal is completely insane to me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, there. <laughs> Again, this movie has the bones to make a good movie. It's there. It's definitely there. Now, the key, and it has the soul to make a good movie, which is the car crash death scene. Absolutely. that Because that's the thing. In at least a 90s action movie or like a 90s thriller, that's the death you got to throw in there. Like, that's that over-the-top death that needs to be there, you know? To show that the villain ain't fucking around. (laughs) But, again, the entire, like, the mystery is not a mystery in the slightest. Um, The... The concept behind the mystery, like the house being the whole thing uh, with prostitution there, I'm like, that that works as, like, your background. That works. 
but execution everywhere else is just not there. Yeah, and there's there's something to say here about like you know government cover up and how far will you go to for your job stuff like that. There's there's things you can do here, and Joe Esterhouse somehow, and I'm it it could have just been the '90s, and it could have just been cocaine, or it could have just been somebody being like, you know what we can do in Hollywood. We can make people have sex on camera, and the rest is irre- like irrelevant. We can do whatever the fuck else we want to do with the rest of it. The man had to have written a script that made sense to somebody, and somebody was like, "You know what? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. We'll we'll make this movie." Because when you look at it, aside from the "it's a fuckhouse" line and the everyone's from penal amnesia, those are lines that, like, if you just kind of like pepper them in there, they're fine. But when you get a lot of those lines and it becomes like a signature, then you're like, oh, this just might be porn. <laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> this is this is porn with, with subtlety, maybe, you know? And it's kind of insane. Again, like I said, it's completely insane that this was the genre of choice for a while. This was what uh, we went to the theaters to see in the 90s. And think about it. When 9-11 happened, (laughs) the erotic thriller was nowhere to be found. And even since, nothing really has been like it. We've had the torture porn wave. We have had the wedding craze wave. We never got back to the erotic thriller, which... If everything is cyclical and remakes are all the rage, we've had a basic instinct too in the early 2000s. It's sort of an erotic thriller. It's erotic, but there's no real thrill about it. But the bones are there. The actresses are there. Like the actors are there. We see more dong on TV and movies now than ever before. Why can't we do the erotic thriller again it's it's gotta so be hbo scary. or someone doing it like and that's the thing it's gonna be like erotic thrillers are basically game of thrones nowadays you know it's it's erotic dragon thriller you know it's it's so insane to me that of all the movies that and it's 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 modern sensibilities is what it is that Yes, were all the erotic thrillers essentially just sexist, you know, vehicles for to get women naked? Yes, essentially it was. But there was a lot of dude ass too. All you got to do is turn them. Like we say Billy Baldwin's ass a lot. Michael Douglas, I believe, we get another ass shot of. We get we get um Kyle MacLachlan's ass in Showgirls. We get a lot of dude ass. In this, in modern days, all you got to do is turn them around and have them walking towards the pool instead of behind it walking towards the pool. Get his dong on camera congratulations there's your equality you know and this movie the voyeurs if i do watch it sydney sweeney is a gorgeous young woman i'm sure at some point she'll at least be topless and i i really hope that justice smith hangs dong as well so we can be like look modern sensibilities with the erotic thriller are here the seeds are here (laughs) we can do this we can bring the erotic thriller back we can bring it back we just need to be more equal with the erotic with the erotic (laughs) and the nudity (laughs) what are the odds that you watch it and you go turn it off turn it off it'll it'll probably be almost immediately i almost guarantee it'll be immediately or i'll get halfway through and not have seen it yet and be like Turn it off. <laughs> Turn it off. 
This isn't the erotic thrillers that I grew up this is to not, love. This is not an erotic thriller. This is not erotic. It's not even a thriller. I hate myself. Turn it off. But yeah, it's it's just completely insane. And that's why I love them. That's why I love them. Because in Jade, Chaz Palminteri has the most uncomfortable sex I've ever seen. And it's not because Linda Fiorentino is crying the whole time. It's because Chaz Palminteri has tried to have sex on camera. <laughs> it is. It's just woof. That dude should have just been in like mobster movies and that's it. <laughs> you know, we didn't need to see him Agreed. on camera. <laughs> he just doesn't have the face for it either. It's like, ugh. it's like watching one of those like fish with like the melted faces, like try to fuck, you know, it's like, <laughs> why is that? <laughs> like bubble bass from SpongeBob. Right. Exactly. It's like, turn it off. <laughs> but. Anyway, so that has been the erotic thriller. Who knows? Maybe coming up, we'll uh, we'll revisit it briefly, but uh, that's for another time. So, so we talk about what we're talking about in the final week of Can't Make Beast Movies today. Mike, where can people find us on the internet? All right, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Overcast, and just about anywhere else you get your podcasts from. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Happy Hour Films Podcast. Please like our shit. Yeah, and I will be having my um my complex movie by movie, minute by minute breakdown of the erotic thriller genre uh, at some point on YouTube. Don't hold your breath, but maybe we'll do it. We'll do something again on that channel at one point. Who cares? Yeah, I think House of the Dragon comes back, what, next year? Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll be back in another year. But anyway, so one final week left. Can't make movies, can't make today. We have the legendary Blazing Saddles. We mentioned it. We're talking about it. The legendary Blazing Saddles. And of course, if you don't know why we'll be talking about it for this, then you're the person I want to talk to because I love you. (laughs) I love that you think that Blazing Saddles could be made today in the same possible way, even though they tried it with a cartoon and they took out all the fun stuff. (laughs) But we'll also be talking about Airplane, which I also believe is is just a type of comedy that we can't do anymore. And it would never get done because we the writers just aren't smart enough nowadays to be able to do it. And yes, I said airplane is a smart comedy, and we'll get into why next week. But then we'll also be talking about a movie that I'm pretty sure just knowing that the premise of it was a movie nowadays would get somebody either immediately canceled. Um, or thrown in jail. I'm sure someone would have somebody would at some point be completely like ostracized from Hollywood for even trying to remake this movie. And that will be the toy starring Richard Pryor. And I'm not gonna spoil it, but the toy isn't exactly doesn't talk about an actual toy. <laughs> the title refers to uh, something entirely different. And it's very, very much along the lines of why Blazing Saddles probably wouldn't be made today either, you know? <laughs> so, like, um, on a scale of, like, ha- how close is it to happiness on will get you thrown in jail immediately? <laughs> oh, no, this is a... Wait, you thought about doing this as a movie? Done. Hollywood jail. Let's go. <laughs> no. Yeah. 
it's it's you'll see what I mean. Mike, I'm assuming you've never seen the movie. No. You'll see what I mean. <laughs> you really will. And it's it's a concept that we only could have done with Retro Prior as well. And until that time when we talk about the toy airplane blazing saddles next week, I have been Rolf Bacon. I've been Mike McWiggan. We'll see you guys next time. So long.